I think that's maybe what I was getting at on um, on no one receiving earlier. You know, saying it's like got sort of a dub thing almost. Like this is a very like rhythmic focused kind of album, I think, and um, uh, melody is is much less of a you know kind of focus this time around. Uh, it, it's sort of a, a guttural, like bass level response to a lot of his music for me, at least uh, on this first side, um, because it has such a just propulsive kind of beat to it, and um, you know memorable kind of um, lines or or guitar riffs or something are, are not really what he's going for here. As as little as he was doing that on other records, like that has really been kind of rejected at this point because this is like a super skeletal sounding song it's like weird kind of found footage snatches of audio here and there and then like little synthesizer stabs every once in a while but beyond that it's like really just writing a bass line and and um, the vocal uh, and the vocal yeah it's not that unlike uh african night flight which is also an Eno production that's right after this i think this kind of gives you as like many things on the record i think especially on this first half it's it's just you know doing stuff that you'll hear later like through a different artist that he's working with yeah i mean at this point he is um it's 1977 right so he is working with like low is I think Low has come out by the time that this yeah. record drops, and Heroes is coming out right around this same time. So, and then Lodger comes out in '79, and right, that's, a couple years later. That's sort of like uh, another thing that's, I mean, about this record. It's like you you listen to that album, and it's kind of like if you were only following Bowie's career, you might be like, "Where the hell did African Night Flight come from?" Like this is I've never heard anything like this, and it came from something and it came from something like this like this is the groundwork yeah calling those records david bowie records is almost doing them a little disservice um well it's just, yeah i mean it's a co-production I yeah think. to the extent uh you know to which Eno and tony visconti also you know uh shaped a lot of that sound i think there is just sort of an element you know a through line in his career of like being the one to bust open these new horizons and like establish this whatever this is you know this particular drum sound or this kind of um rhythmic approach or or uh way of writing lyrics or whatever um like sticking a flag down and saying like this can be done now and um and then at the same time instead of just like kind of keeping that for himself or keeping it sort of isolated in the art rock art pop-ish whatever kind of scene um sort of like him taking that out to the world and yeah. like allowing that to be expanded upon by bigger, brighter kind of stars, not better stars by any means, but like these polyrhythms, right? This turns into Graceland in a couple years. Yeah. Um, and it turns into everything that, I mean, it, I will bring it back to what we, what we were talking about was more relevant than I thought earlier on. Like the thing with the dare and LCD sound system. Cause like LCD sound system is so based on, songs that were brian eno songs like right so much of it comes from stuff that he direct like that that wave of stuff that after this record before and after science you know would like start disseminating these different production approaches in the service of other artists like bowie and talking heads and so on and that those records would go on to be incredibly influential but uh it seems like they go and there's this thing of them be 
having this like increasing level of being made personal like when Eno does it the first time on this record it does not feel very personal like it's just kind of like well i gotta come up with some lyrics for these to suit this sound and it's like he's writing for the way that they sound and then you've got bowie and their collaboration is kind of like he's writing they're doing this together in a way that suits where like Bowie's current vibe and the lyrics and just the feeling goes off something more than just like Eno and his own mind or his own equipment or whatever. But then you've, then you've got LCD sound system, which is like, I'm takes that stuff. And it's like, well, what if I made this actually personal, like about myself and more in, uh, directly, um, it's not abstract, like just wholly abstract lyricism. It's actually like these sounds can be taken into a more um, autobiographical singer-songwriter a- approach. Sure. And then you've got something like the dare, which is like I'm gonna take it back. <laughs> like let's take it back to the the part the when it didn't have to mean all that. Um, that's an interesting phenomenon. That it's just like. I think, you know, it's debatable. Like, do we need to explore these sounds to their limit uh, with what they can contain emotionally? Or is it sometimes just a vibe that's like best enjoyed a la carte? That's a good question. Listeners out there, drop us a line. Let us know. Is it best enjoyed a la carte sometimes? I don't know. You know, I mean, Energy Fools the Magician is uh, the next one. I don't know if we have anything more to say about Kurt's rejoinder, but this one's just a, kind of a vibe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the first actual instrumental track on this record, it's only like two minutes long, something like that. Um, but, uh, thinking about like the work with, with Bowie at this time, like this is a clear sort of extension or, or clearly in the same sort of area that like the second side of low is operating in. Um, I mean, I think you could swap this in for like Warzawa or Subterraneans or something and you're, you know, Either, either way, you know, you're getting sort of a similar kind of thing at that same time. And the difference yeah. being, of course, like, what does it mean? What does it mean for Brian Eno to make a record like this with this kind of instrumental track on it and, and put it out as a Brian Eno, you know, piece of music versus what does that mean for David Bowie to do the same thing? Right. So it can be the same you know, kind of music, you know, made the same way with the same sort of feeling. But the way that it's presented from whom it is presented, that has such a profound impact on the way it's received and, um, you know, kind of contextualize around it the same way that like Bob on, on Nashville skyline, um, or even better self portrait, right? Like wigwam or all the tired horses. Um, like those, those songs might be sort of, um, unremarkable if you just heard them on their own. 
uh, divorce of any sort of context, but when that is, that is, a, that's Bob Dylan music, right? That is put out by Bob Dylan, and even though it doesn't have a Bob Dylan vocal on it, um, and they're, you know, instrumental tracks, really, mostly, you know, All the Turd Horses obviously has the, the, um, the chorus or whatever, um, that, like, that makes all the difference, right? Um, yeah, except I think it goes the other way with Brian Eno. I think with, with Eno, the thing that is, like, wow, I can't believe Brian Eno is doing this, is when it's actually more directly uh, emotional and seems to be a thing about, like, more committed to being an album, a concept in itself. And that is what we got into on talking about uh, Another Green World. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is a retreat from that. Like, this record, to me, maybe it wasn't intended to be, but to me it doesn't work as, like, a record that feels it doesn't feel committed to being um like emotionally vulnerable in in a singer's in a, in a songwriterly way yeah at, at least no but I think you're right I, about that so what it it i don't think it has moments like it, on another green world like where you know i'll come running that feels like so intimate in a way um or you know there's other moments where it really feels like love songs and like that record has this kind of tender love song arc. This is different in that it's it's it seems more abstracted from that, but it's also I think you know getting more comfortable with writing for an idea rather than making himself like the 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 subject or his feelings it, and writing like for for other people becomes what he ends up really doing yeah even conceptually on his own writing music for films which are not real films um that's that's something that this record has um about it that i think leaves you cold if you want like an emotive songwriting record but it has some all its emotions, I think, are based on the expansive quality of certain points, like the end, especially. Yeah. Uh, or uh, the emotional qualities of just a kick-ass rock song, like the next one. 